The Aeneid of Virgil. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Aeneid of Virgil. Translated by John Dryden. Book Two. Enough is paid to Priam's royal name, more than enough to duty and to fame. If by a mortal hand my father's throne could be defended, twas by mine alone. Now Troy to thee commends her future state, and gives her gods companions of thy fate. From their assistance walls expect, which wandering long at last thou shalt erect. He said, and brought me from their blessed abodes, the venerable statues of the gods, with ancient Vesta from the sacred choir, the wreaths and relics of the immortal fire. Now peals of shouts come thundering from afar, cries, threats, and loud laments, and mingled war. The noise approaches, though our palace stood aloof from streets, encompassed with a wood. Louder and yet more loud I hear the alarms of human cries distinct and clashing arms. Fear broke my slumbers. I no longer stay, but mount the terrace, thence the town survey, and hearken what the frightful sounds convey. Thus, when a flood of fire by wind is borne, crackling it rolls and mows the standing corn, or deluges descending on the plains, sweep o'er the yellow year, destroy the pains of laboring oxen and the peasant's gains, Unroot the forest oaks, and bear away Flocks, folds, and trees, and undistinguished prey. The shepherd climbs the cliff, and sees from far The wasteful ravage of the watery war. Then Hector's faith was manifestly cleared, And Grecian frauds in open light appeared. The palace of Deiphobus ascends in smoky flames, And catches on his friends. Ucalagon burns next, the seas are bright with splendor not their own, and shine with Trojan light. New clamors and new clangors now arise, the sound of trumpets mixed with fighting cries. With frenzy seized, I run to meet the alarms, resolved on death, resolved to die in arms, but first to gather friends, with them to oppose, if fortune favored and repel the foes. Spurred by my courage, by my country fired, with sense of honor and revenge inspired. Pantheus, Apollo's priest, a sacred name, had scaped the Grecian swords and passed the flame. With relics loaden to my doors he fled, and by the hand his tender grandson led. What hope, O Pantheus, whither can we run? Where make a stand, and what may yet be done? Scarce had I said, when Pantheus with a groan, Troy is no more, and Ilium was a town. The fatal day, the appointed hour is come, when wrathful Jove's irrevocable doom transfers the Trojan state to Grecian hands. The fire consumes the town, the foe commands, and armed hosts, an unexpected force, break from the bowels of the fatal horse. Within the gates, proud Sinon throws about the flames, and foes for entrance press without, with thousand others whom I fear to name, more than from Argos or Mycenae came. To several posts their parties they divide, some block the narrow streets, some scour the wide, the bold they kill, the unwary they surprise, who fights finds death, 
and death finds him who flies. The warders of the gate but scarce maintain the unequal combat, and resist in vain. I heard, and heaven, that well-born souls inspires, prompts me through lifted swords and rising fires to run where clashing arms and clamor calls, and rush undaunted to defend the walls. Ripheus and Ephetus by my side engage, for valor one renowned and one for age. Demos and Hippanis by moonlight knew my motions and my mien and to my party drew, with young Coribus, who by love was led to win renown and fair Cassandra's bed, and lately brought his troops to Priam's aid, forewarned in vain by the prophetic maid, whom when I saw resolved in arms to fall, and that one spirit animated all, brave souls, said I, but brave, alas, in vain. Come, finish what our cruel fates ordain. You see the desperate state of our affairs, and heaven's protecting powers are deaf to prayers. The passive gods behold the Greeks defile their temples, and abandon to the spoil their own abodes. We feeble few conspire to save a sinking town involved in fire. Then let us fall, but fall amidst our foes. Despair of life the means of living shows. So bold a speech encouraged their desire of death, and added fuel to their fire. As hungry wolves with raging appetite scour through the fields, nor fear the stormy night, their whelps at home expect the promised food, and long to temper their dry chaps in blood, so rushed we forth at once, resolved to die, resolved in death the last extremes to try. We leave the narrow lanes behind, and dare the unequal combat in the public square. Night was our friend, our leader was despair. What tongue can tell the slaughter of that night? What eyes can weep the sorrows and affright? An ancient and imperial city falls. The streets are filled with frequent funerals. Houses and holy temples float in blood, and hostile nations make a common flood. Not only Trojans fall, but in their turn the vanquished triumph and the victors mourn. Ours take new courage from despair and night, Confused the fortune is, confused the fight. All parts resound with tumults, plaints, and fears, And grisly death in sundry shapes appears. Androgeos fell among us with his band, Who thought us Grecians newly come to land. From whence, said he, my friends, this long delay, You loiter while the spoils are borne away, Our ships are laden with the Trojan store, And you, like truants, come too late ashore. He said, but soon corrected his mistake, found by the doubtful answers which we make, amazed he would have shunned the unequal fight, but we more numerous intercept his flight, as when some peasant in a bushy brake has with unwary footing pressed a snake, he starts aside, astonished when he spies his rising crest, blue neck, and rolling eyes, so from our arms surprised Androgeos flies, in vain, for him and his we compassed round, possessed with fear, unknowing of the ground, and of their lives an easy conquest found. Thus fortune on our first endeavor smiled. Coribus then, with youthful hopes beguiled, swollen with success and a daring mind, this new invention fatally designed. My friends, said he, since fortune shows the way, tis fit we should the auspicious guide obey. For what has she these Grecian arms bestowed but their destruction and the Trojans' good? 
Then change we shields, and their devices bear. Let fraud supply the want of force in war. They find us arms. This said, himself he dressed in dead Androgeos' spoils, his upper vest, his painted buckler and his plumy crest. Thus Rephaeus, Demus, all the Trojan train, lay down their own attire and strip the slain. Mixed with the Greeks we go with ill presage, flattered with hopes to glut our greedy rage. Unknown, assaulting whom we blindly meet, and strew with Grecian carcasses the street. Thus, while their straggling parties we defeat, some to the shore and safer ships retreat, and some, oppressed with more ignoble fear, remount the hollow horse and pant in secret there. End of section 3 But ah, what use of valor can be made when heaven's propitious powers refuse their aid? Behold the royal prophetess, the fair Cassandra, dragged by her disheveled hair, whom not Minerva's shrine nor sacred bands in safety could protect from sacrilegious hands. On heaven she cast her eyes, she sighed, she cried, t'was all she could, her tender arms were tied. So sad a sight Coribus could not bear, but fired with rage, distracted with despair, amid the barbarous ravishers he flew, our leader's rash example we pursue. But storms of stones from the proud temple's height pour down and on our battered helms alight. We from our friends received this fatal blow, who thought us Grecians as we seemed in show. They aim at the mistaken crests from high, and ours beneath the ponderous ruin lie. Then, moved with anger and disdain to see their troops dispersed, the royal virgin free, the Grecians rally and their powers unite, with fury charge us and renew the fight. The brother kings with Ajax join their force, and the whole squadron of Thessalian horse. Thus, when the rival winds their quarrel try, contending for the kingdom of the sky, south, east, and west, on airy courses borne, the whirlwind gathers and the woods are torn. Then Nereus strikes the deep, the billows rise, and mixed with ooze and sand pollute the skies. The troops we squandered first again appear from several quarters and enclose the rear. They first observe, and to the rest betray, our different speech, our borrowed arms survey. Oppressed with odds we fall, Coribus first, at palace altar by Peneleus pierced. Then Rephaeus followed in the unequal fight, just of his word, observant of the right. Heaven thought not so. Demas their fate attends, with Hippanis mistaken by their friends, nor Pantheus, thee, thy mitre, nor the bands of awful Phoebus, save from impious hands. Ye Trojan flames, your testimony bear what I performed and what I suffered there. No sword avoiding in the fatal strife, exposed to death and prodigal of life. Witness, ye heavens, I live not by my fault. I strove to have deserved the death I sought. But when I could not fight and would have died, borne off to distance by the growing tide, Old Iphitus and I were hurried thence, with Peleus wounded and without defence. New clamours from the invested palace ring, we run to die or disengage the king. So hot the assault, so high the tumult rose, whilst ours defend, and while the Greeks oppose, as all the Dardan and Argolic race had been contracted in that narrow space. Or as all Ilium else were void of fear, and tumult, war, and slaughter only there, their targets in a tortoise cast, the foes, secure advancing to the turrets rose, 
Some mount the scaling ladders, some more bold swerve upwards, and by posts and pillars hold. Their left hand grips their bucklers in the ascent, while with their right they seize the battlement. From their demolished towers the Trojans throw huge heaps of stones that falling crush the foe, and heavy beams and rafters from the sides, such arms their last necessity provides, and gilded roofs come tumbling from on high the marks of state and ancient royalty. The guards below, fixed in the pass, attend the charge undaunted and the gate defend. Renewed in courage with recovered breath, a second time we ran to tempt our death, to clear the palace from the foe, succeed the weary living, and revenge the dead. A postern door, yet unobserved and free, joined by the length of a blind gallery, to the king's closet led, a way well known to Hector's wife while Priam held the throne, through which she brought Astyanax unseen to cheer his grandsire and his grandsire's queen. Through this we pass and mount the tower, from whence with unavailing arms the Trojans make defence. From this the trembling king had oft descried the Cretian camp and saw their navy ride. Beams from its lofty height with swords we hew, then wrenching with our hands the assault renew. And where the rafters on the columns meet, we push them headlong with our arms and feet. The lightning flies not swifter than the fall, nor thunder louder than the ruined wall. Down goes the top at once, the Greeks beneath are piecemeal torn, are pounded into death. Yet more succeed, and more to death are sent. We cease not from above, nor they below relent. Before the gate stood Pyrrhus, threatening loud, with glittering arms conspicuous in the crowd. So shines, renewed in youth, the crested snake, who slept the winter in a thorny brake, and casting off his slough when spring returns, now looks aloft and with new glory burns. Restored with poisonous herbs, his ardent sides reflect the sun, and raised on spires he rides. High o'er the grass hissing he rolls along, and brandishes by fits his forky tongue. Proud Periphas and fierce Automedon, his father's charioteer, together run to force the gate. The Syrian infantry rush on in crowds, and the barred passage free. Entering the court with shouts the skies they rend, and flaming firebrands to the roofs ascend. Himself among the foremost deals his blows, and with his axe repeated strokes bestows on the strong doors. Then all their shoulders ply, till from the posts the brazen hinges fly. He hews apace, the double bars at length yield to his axe and unresisted strength. A mighty breach is made, the rooms concealed appear, and all the palaces revealed. The halls of audience and of public state, and where the lonely queen in secret sat. Armed soldiers now by trembling maids are seen, with not a door and scarce a space between. The house is filled with loud laments and cries, and shrieks of women rend the vaulted skies. The fearful matrons run from place to place, and kiss the thresholds and the posts embrace. The fatal work inhuman Pyrrhus plies, and all his father sparkles in his eyes. Nor bars nor fighting guards his force sustain. The bards are broken and the guards are slain. In rush the Greeks, and all the apartments fill. Those few defendants whom they find they kill, not with so fierce a rage the foaming flood roars when he finds his rapid course withstood. Bears down the dams with unresisted sway, and sweeps the cattle and the cots away. 
These eyes beheld him when he marched between the brother kings. I saw the unhappy queen, the hundred wives, and where old Priam stood, to stain his hallowed altar with his brood, the fifty nuptial beds, such hopes had he, so large a promise of a progeny. The posts of plated gold and hung with spoils fell the reward of the proud victor's toils. Where'er the raging fire had left a space, the Grecians enter and possess the place. Perhaps you may of Priam's fate inquire. He, when he saw his regal town on fire, his ruined palace and his entering foes, on every side inevitable woes, in arms disused invests his limbs decayed, like them with age, a late and useless aid. His feeble shoulders scarce the weight sustain, loaded, not armed, he creeps along with pain, despairing of success, ambitious to be slain.